This episode of the Lunch Break Podcast is brought to you by the sales developers. They believe that outbound sales requires a consistent commitment to the process, and they understand the tedious and time-consuming task of sourcing, hiring, and onboarding new sales talent. Besides providing premium quality contact data, outbound prospecting services, and expert consulting to consistently fill your sales buckets, they have built the ultimate sales enablement tool, Uplevel. It lets you uplevel your skills by managing all of your playbooks and scripts in one place. Still writing your favorite opening lines on sticky notes? Are your training and guides in a hundred different folders? Do you wish you had a way to develop a playbook to actually enable your team? With Uplevel, you can easily do it all. Whether you're a rep or a leader, your job just got a whole lot easier. Start for free today and you can go to thesalesdevelopers.com backslash Uplevel. You are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 36 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. My name is James Bodden, and on episode 36 of the Lunch Break Podcast, I am joined by none other than Vincent Matano. Vincent is an enterprise SDR at DemandBase. He is the 2019 Sales Development Beast Award winner at 10 Bound Sales Development Conference. He's an overall SDR rock star. Not only is he crushing it in his day-to-day duties as an SDR, being creative about reaching out to prospects, really honing and refining his craft, but he's also sharing his journey on social, which is incredibly important and a large part of his story. So it's a great episode with tons of value from somebody that is doing an excellent job on the front lines every day. But if you don't have enough time to listen to the entire episode right now, I had Vincent provide a snack break sales tip that you can use immediately after you listen to it. So here it is. Listen up. My biggest thing is personalization. If, if you're in a place where they're making you do act, high activity at scale, have the conversation with your managers and, and, and bosses and, and have that laid out. Have a plan of what you want to do. Um, I encourage everyone to strongly use, you know, LinkedIn sales nav or even just LinkedIn. It, it works perfectly. Find people's Twitter, Google their name, do as much research as you possibly can and use that within your outreach. There's four things that I like to do when I want to send an amazing email. And that's one, finding some personal info that they have just like, oh, I like biking, something simple like that. So I find some personal info. I use old CRM data if they're engaged in a sales cycle. Uh, use company news, and then finally wrapping it up with our value prop. So if you can check three out of those four boxes on an email, you have an amazing email with a great subject line. You can easily get a, a meeting with anybody. Just put the time and energy into it. Do your research. Spend about 10 to 15, not even 15, spend 10 minutes on that, finding those four things, check them off, and you have an amazing email. A fabulous snack break sales tip from Vincent Matano. Hope that you can take some time later and listen to the entire episode. Go back to your desk, get after it, 
get done what you need to get done. And if you're sticking with me, let's dive right into episode 36 of the Lunch Break Podcast with Vincent Matano. Here we go. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Lunch Break Podcast. We have Vin Matano on the show for episode 36. I'm really excited about this episode, folks. Uh, the first time I, I came across Vin was actually when we both won that uh, InsideSales.com top SDR award at the yeah. end of last year. And it was great because, you know, in that process, they have that web page and you see everybody that's been nominated and you see the number of people that nominate them, at, you know, as the time period goes on. And Vin was one of those people that, man, I was looking at his numbers like, damn, every day, like, oh, shit, you know, he's racking up the votes and, and it, it, you know, being in sales and being competitive, it was like, oh, you know, he's killing it. And then you, you dive in and you start to learn more about what they're doing and started following his content. And um, look, Vin's had some real frontline success, folks, and, and he's here to talk about it. He's, he's a true practitioner. He's somebody that's been recognized by the sales community as, as a top performer. And so I feel very honored to have uh, you here on the show today, Vin. Thanks for coming on. James, I appreciate it. I actually uh, came across you a while back, even before we connected through just uh, a lot of your content online. Uh, saw you on the uh, Sales Development Podcast. So huge fan of your, yours as well. I'm, I'm happy to be here and share some uh, secrets with you. Yeah, man. Yeah. So let's, let's dive right into it. So Vin, talk to us about how you got started in sales uh, and, and how that journey has taken you to where you are now, a, a top performer who's crushing quota. Oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, I actually have a really interesting story how I got into sales. Um, growing up, my dad uh, was, he owned a lot of small businesses in town. They were actually bike shops, which is really random, but, um, <laughs> and he always had told me growing up, if you ever want to make money, you either start your own business or get into sales. So um, that's kind of where my, my mindset has always drifted, but I do like the competitive aspect of sales. Um, I do like being rewarded for the hard, the hard work that you put in. Um, and it kind of just fits naturally with me. I really like hunting and using my creativity to you know, get in touch with people and get conversations started. So yeah, it's a, it's a great fit for me. I love it, man. And yeah, I think it's interesting. To, to have a parent, anytime I, I talk with a salesperson that had a parent that was an entrepreneur, owned their own business, it, that is always the narrative. It's you really got to start your own business or you have to be in sales if you really want to make money. And what's interesting is the folks that didn't have a parent who was an entrepreneur or already in sales, the narrative is almost always the exact opposite. Sure. Because, you know, your dad he knew what was up. He already had, I mean, really he, he had already seen, yeah, this is the way to do it. This is the way to, uh, because you do have that opportunity to, if you work harder and smarter than the next person to earn more. And uh, I, I think about, so on the opposite end, you know, my dad was, um, uh, he had a cool job. He was a sports writer for the newspaper, but he was not in sales. And I remember when we moved to Raleigh, when I was little, uh, he couldn't find a job right away at a newspaper. And so he had to sell furniture for a little bit. And I remember him hating it <laughs> and just absolutely like couldn't wait to stop selling furniture. He liked the people he worked with. I, I do remember that, but he hated the game of sales. And, and, you know, I've talked to him about it since, and it's just not in his wheelhouse. And I think when it's when, for folks that, are outside of the profession, they often see it as like, 
something negative or, sure. uh, you know, something that um, you do as a last resort. So for you, you saw somebody that was, you know, running multiple businesses and, and successful that gave you that advice. How do you handle that? you know, for you with like your friends, for example, how do they react when you tell them, Hey, I'm in sales. I love it. I'm killing it. You know, what are they skeptical of you? Uh, what's that like? Yeah. So that's actually funny. You bring that up. There's, I think I'm maybe one or two of my, of my friend groups that are actually in sales. And when we have these conversations with, with others, they're always very like, I just feel like they assume sales with like, I don't know, maybe like insurance sales or like something that's B2C focused, which is a quick turnover. Like you like you said, your dad was in the furniture sale. He had to close that person on the spot. So, you know, there's a bad connotation with people that need to, you know, pushing a sale onto somebody, Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. Very quick sales cycle, very transactional. And whereas where I'm in B2B sales, especially enterprise software, like demand base, you know, these are long sales cycles. We're not really pushing a sale down somebody's throat. We're actually kind of guiding them and, and gearing them towards something where they can work towards. So it's, it's a lot different. I think they're just automatically assuming I'm making like 2000 phone calls a day, like the scene from pursuit of happiness. I'm not peeing. I'm not drinking. <laughs> so it, it is, I have to do explain it to them a little bit. They start to understand it more. Um, and I, and I kind of hope that we can, you know, there's a strong community of SDRs and sales development and even now AEs and everything. I hope we can break that kind of, um, stereotype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this generation of, of sales folks will be the one to do that because the more it's interesting because the more people that I know, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm on the older end of the millennial range. So I have friends that graduated from college, started doing maybe even what they went to college for, found out they didn't like it and have now like fell, fallen into sales. Yeah, sure. Um, and they, they have the same revelation like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was at all. Their only perception, I think you brought up a good point, is that they think it's that retail, mm-hmm. hard close uh, kind of thing where in reality, to your point, you're just almost at some stages information gathering, guiding somebody, trying to provide some information. So you know, as you got started, uh, because, you know, as I look at your LinkedIn, you know, at demand base and what was going through your mind? Because it seems like you got there and you pretty much took off, right? I mean, there wasn't really a time where you felt like, uh, you, you, you needed that ramp time. So, so what was that experience like to be your first sales job? And then you dive right in and it's something that you're obviously good at. Yeah. So uh, to your point, I think I, I have an, I had an advantage coming out of college and jumping into this role. You know, as you mentioned, a lot of people actually fall into sales. Maybe they start something else and, you know, there are a few years removed out of college. Whereas for me, I, I always knew I wanted to get into sales. So while I was in college, I was building up these sales experiences. I was getting these sales internships. So I can't, I really just knew what I was looking for. Um, so I, I guess I kind of had an advantage that way. And, and once I got to demand base, it was just honestly a perfect fit. Um, you know, in SaaS, which I wanted to be in, B2B, obviously. Um, and yeah, I just really, I, I was really humble to, to take this, you know, experience. and like, let me just run with this. Like, you know, I'm a lot younger than most people here. Let's like, I'm ready for this. Let's just like, you know, I had like nothing to lose really, I thought. So that was really behind it. Yeah. And this is something that I'm seeing more and more of, and I absolutely love it. The idea that people aren't just falling into sales anymore. They're able to 
identify it early enough, you know, in life that they can start taking steps like you did to be involved in sales pretty much from the get go. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such, I mean, you're, you're starting miles ahead of other folks that are just, because if I think about me, I fell into sales, got a sales job and it took me you know, a year or two before I even really started taking it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the job. Sure. And sales is one of those professions where, and I've seen this time and time again, if you take a sales team, you know, there's a small percentage of, of folks that are on fire and motivated every single day like you and they knew what they wanted to do and they're here and, it, and they're there as a result of concerted effort to get to that point. And then the majority of folks are there and they're willing to give it a, a honest try, but they're not a hundred percent really bought in when they leave. Yeah. It's like, I'm no longer an SDR clock out. I'm watching Netflix all night. And then there's the group of, of folks who are literally just there because they don't have anything else to do. And they're just mm -hmm. trying to collect a paycheck. And I think for, for someone like you, coming out of, of college, knowing what you wanted, um, it still had to be different from anything you'd ever done. So how did you handle that? I mean, because you knew you had the desire, you were motivated to kind of take this challenge head on. What were some of the things that made it easier for you to have success at the beginning? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, um, I was just happy to be here. I was like, wow, this is a great opportunity. Um, but to, as I started, it was a lot different, as you mentioned, than anything I've done before. Um, you know, I've never was really talking to, you know, high level executives before. I was never prospecting into really large accounts. Um, mostly I was always doing B2C. So this was a whole different thing for me. But, you know, luckily my manager, Kevin Rooney, he's, he's incredible. He's like an SDR beast. Um, he really was hands on in, in helping me um, figure out what worked for me. And what's great about him is, is he doesn't say, okay, you guys all need to do X amount of calls per day. You guys only do X amount of emails per day. He kind of lets you find your style and whatever your style works, he lets you run with that. So for me, it was, he was just like, all right, kind of just throw it at the wall, see what sticks. So I was trying different things and I found my little groove that was working for me. Started, you know, hitting my quota, you know, early on. And he was like, Hey man, this is working for you. Just run with it. So I think that's actually an important lesson for even just managers in general, or even an SDR that's starting just because one person on your team maybe is just a beast on the phone and he's getting all his meetings over the phone or, or maybe the opposite. Maybe someone's just amazing at crafting these really, you know, per, hyper personalized emails and that's how they get all their emails. Don't feel like you have to follow whatever the, the best person on your team is doing because that may not fit your style. Find out it's a copy and paste business being an SDR, take something from one person, take something from another person, put it into your own style. And if that works for you, keep rolling with it. Just keep going with whatever works for you. Yeah. Yeah. And what a great point that I, I want to make sure that every sales leader listening to this heard that the reason that you were successful is because you were given the opportunity to find out what worked for you and then run with it. That okay. is huge. I can't tell you how many teams I've been a part of where there was a rigid process or there was a way that it was always done. And then there was always that maverick sales guy or girl who would, you know, let's say it was all about cold calling, but they were sending emails on the side and booking appointments on the side. And it was always this point of contention almost. It was like, yep. 
hey, shout out to uh, Johnny for all the meetings last week, but we're going to have to pull you in a room and ask you why you're not on the phone enough. Yeah. This, this weird thing. And it just never made, yeah, it never made sense to me that you were going to hinder somebody from being successful and achieving the outcomes that you want them to achieve just because it's not the way that the last five reps did it or the way that you think it should be done. Um, so kudos to the team over there for having that uh, sight to, to give you the room to figure out what works for you and then allow you to kind of lean into it. Um, Especially nowadays too. There's so many different ways of communicating. Maybe, you know, the old school way was you just had a phone. So now we have phone, email, we have video, social media, LinkedIn, direct mail, all these different things. It's like, why be limited to just one thing? And if one thing's specifically working for somebody, just yeah. let them roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And it's, it seems like, duh, like common sense, but I swear I've seen it so many times where good salespeople are hindered by a, a, a too rigid of a process. I'm all for processes and I believe in them firmly and without process, you're lost in sales. Absolutely. But I'm also a fan of common sense selling and common sense leadership and management. And, and um, so, you know, for you, you were given the opportunity, throw stuff on the wall, see what sticks, and then turn around and really be able to, to take it and run with it and then be recognized on the level that you were recognized at with the InsideSales.com uh, award. So talk to me about that experience. You know, you're actually the first person that I've had on the show that's oh, nice. award, right? And so yeah. I'd love to hear about that experience. Honestly, I didn't even know about it until one of my coworkers had forwarded it to me. It was like, hey, like, did you know you're on this list? And I checked it out and I, was, I, I literally had no idea what it was. Um, so I had to do some research on it. Uh, me and our, our VPs of sales development was on the list as well. Jay Tool, who won, yep. who also won. Um, and we were just kind of running with it. We're like, wow, this is like an awesome opportunity. The, the people that were also nominated and also won with us, they were in, like, if you know the sales development community, these guys are rock stars. So just to be on the same category as everybody else and just kind of get thrown in that discussion, it was like, it was super humbling and totally by surprise. So it, it was incredible. And then we built this also even more niche community within LinkedIn everyone's tagging each other on posts. Everybody's reaching out to everybody. You know, you're, I've connected with multiple people from the, from the award. So it was really awesome. And it was really great to see that I was, you know, getting recognized for some, for some stuff I'm doing here at Demand Base. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it is, and it doesn't always happen like that, right? Six months into uh, crushing it, you don't always get the, those kind of, that kind of recognition, but um, I think it, it really, speaks to the name of the game which is i mean it's not like you came there and we're like hey i'm gonna do such a good job that i win this award you didn't even know about it right and that's the way to do it it's you put the blinders on you do the work that you know you need to be doing the and it's not easy it's not glamorous it's uncomfortable there's uncomfortable conversations you have to have with prospects with your leadership when you're struggling you know it's not all of it's pretty but to be able to be recognized for it feels pretty darn nice <laughs> yeah it was awesome it was awesome yeah yeah so um 
talk to us specifically about some of the success you've had in your role. You know, I know you've got some pretty interesting stories, so I'd love to hear about some, some kind of frontline success that you've been having, man. Yeah. Um, I have one in particular that, that I'll get into, but when I came into demand base, um, I, I felt like I was always very creative. So I kind of wanted to use that with, with my skill set. So my main goal for to reach out to a prospect is to make them realize I'm a human, right? There's a lot of marketing automation going out, a lot of bots, uh, a lot of, you know, uh, external centers that are just blasting emails for companies. Mm -hmm. So my whole goal, whenever I found a prospect is to make them know that I'm human. I know I'm blasting you with emails. I know I'm emailing you twice a week. I am human. So when I go in, the first thing I do, I look on their LinkedIn. I look on their Twitter. I Google their name. If they have any podcasts, videos, anything they're featured on. Uh, like if I was prospecting you, I'm, I'm using your content that you're putting out easily. Um, yeah. And that's just my whole MO. And I've been doing that always. My activity is never the highest. Um, but I have, you know, a great open rate um, so with all my emails. So it, it's, it's clearly working. One story in particular that, that I would love to share with you is um, I had this one contact. It was a good account. Uh, they were engaged in a sales cycle with us like two years ago. So they would just went ghost. They went dark. Nothing. We couldn't get them back on the, on the, on the line, really. Uh, multiple SDRs and people had the account. It was just kind of, it was pretty tough. I was emailing them multiple times, personalized content, could not figure out what I was doing wrong tried him on the phone, just nothing was working at all. Um, and I actually saw he kept reposting Gary Vaynerchuk's content, which everybody in sales, everybody in entrepreneurism, they all love Gary Vee, um, yeah. me as well. So I actually had a book by Gary Vee in my bedroom, um, jab, 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 right hook. Yep. So I just shipped it, put it in an envelope, just sent it to him, it costed me absolutely nothing. Um, and then I emailed him and then he got back to me and was like, oh my God, thanks so much for the book. He came in for lunch, we talked to him. He winded up closing, uh, which was awesome, huge deal for us. And then that Monday afterwards, he had reached out to me and was like, hey, man, I just wanted to thank you again for the book. Um, I, would, I actually am supposed to be going to a Gary Vee Empathy Wine event, and I, can't, and I can't make it. So if you would love to come in my spot, I would, that would be great. So I got to go. I met Gary Vee, told him how I got there, and it was, just, it was an awesome experience. And you know, a lot of times when you send these emails up, people, they probably don't remember you. They're getting a lot of vendor email. But the fact that just a small, a book that I sent from my bedroom, like <laughs> that cost me nothing. It was the simplest DM you can think of. And it really made a huge impact on him. And ultimately, we got a close deal out of it. It was almost 100K. So it was a really great story. And um, I just try to remember that, you know, it doesn't have to be this fancy thing that you're sending somebody. If it's, it hits home with them. And it's going to connect with them. It could be as easy as I sent a Pez container one time to someone, $10. They collected Pez and I got a meeting that way. So it doesn't take a lot and it's a return on investment, right? You're doing yeah. that to getting, to getting these, these massive deals. So any way you can do just to connect with someone and actually let them know, hey, I'm doing my research. I'm a human. I just have something so valuable that I want to share with you that I'm willing to put some time into to kind of connecting the dots to you. So that's just like my MO. And, and I think uh, that's the way the SDRs are moving. And yeah. No, I mean, I love it, man. And what a great story. And again, it, it, it's a reward for doing things the right way. Sure. It's like a really cool outcome that you never could have really guessed or hoped for, or uh, even sent the book because you're like, Oh yeah, maybe he'll invite me to this Gary V event, you know, none of that even crossed your mind and it was yeah. just a result of doing the right thing. Um, and what's interesting about that story, I think it has a few lessons. One, I have to imagine that it was a mixture of your 
attention to detail, your persistence, not giving up on this account, and then also timing, right? Like sure. you hit him at the right time, you hit him with something that got his attention, but you know, that's only half of the battle. And then you get him into a conversation, you've built enough of a unique relationship with him initially to where the velocity of the deal is greatly sped up. Yeah. Things like timing tend to shift when things like that happen, right? So even if it wasn't the exact right time in a scenario like this, sometimes those time frames can be moved up. I've seen, which is sure. always very interesting. And so it's a completely uh, just a very um, great story about taking that time to, to kind of go that extra mile. And again, I think it goes back to the fact that you feel empowered to do that by the company you work for and the leaders that work with you. It's, it's um, I mean, I've talked to several reps who, who would die to do stuff like that, but they don't feel like they have enough time because they have to get X amount of dials and X amount of emails. And, you know, they're going to be called into the office at the end of the week if they were low. And, and so instead of taking the time to, figure out if this guy likes Gary V or not. I'm just going to continue to send him this cadence and make sure that I heat, you know, hit my daily activity numbers, yeah. which sucks. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, and it doesn't take a lot either. Like, let's say, I don't know, a lot of companies are smaller. Maybe they don't have budget for DMS. Uh, I actually sent that book on my own dime costs nothing. A handwritten note can go the longest way. Um, just because one, it breaks through the barrier Two, no one really is sending handwritten notes anymore. Um, just remember like when you get mail, right? If you get mail, that's not a bill. You're like, wow, this is so nice. <laughs> yeah. You just send a little handwritten note, not even with the hard sell, just saying like, Hey, just want to introduce myself. Hopefully we can align on X, Y, Z in the upcoming year. Um, and then follow up via email with some hard value props. That is, that goes such a long way. Post it costs nothing to send. It takes five minutes to write. So little things like that, just showing them that you really want to connect with them, putting in a little extra work, finding out what they like. And, and matching those with your value prop, it's, it's the easiest way to get a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. It's a great point because even if you are in a scenario where let's say you have crazy daily activity numbers and everybody's focused on those numbers, it doesn't take that long to, to still be creative. So don't use that Absolutely. as an excuse to just say, Oh, well, you know, I can't be creative. Um, yeah. I think that's a great point. It's a choice. It's a choice that you make to decide that you're going to spend that extra little bit of time um, right. to make it non-transactional, to, to break the stereotype that we were talking about earlier. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and for, for people that also have this large um, you know, activity quota that's very strict by that, I would recommend one, that's not good. But if you're in that situation, it is what it is. Crank out some activity, get it done, the activity you need to get done. And then allot some time for you to, to do some personalized things. Uh, you might have to work a little bit, a little harder, you know, to get that activity number where it needs to be. I know, you know, some places do hold you to that. Um, but then allot some time so you, so you can do some things like personalizing, using, you know, Twitter, using handwritten notes. Um, so, yeah, it's just about working harder and finding time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, because if you want to do it, you'll find the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point, man. And, and, um, you know, as you continue to, to kind of grow and you, you've had this success initially um, starting out as an SDR, now moving into, you know, the, the enterprise SDR role, 
what's next for you, man? What do you, what do you see uh, that you want to kind of go from here with? Yeah, well, you know, I did half my time at demand base as the mid, in the mid market role, which was really nice because it's, uh, it's a little bit faster. The marketers are more, uh, you know, keen to the technology and things like that. Then I, you know, spent another half of my time here at demand base in the enterprise role, which is a, a bit different and a little bit longer sales cycles, a lot more educating. Um, but from there, you know, I've seen success in both roles. So kind of wore a lot of hats, um, from there, you know, you know, would like to move into a sales role closing using my prospecting skills that I learned from being an SDR and, and kind of doing my own prospecting. You know, I'm very confident that I can get a meeting with, with any company I kind of put my mind to and my energy to. So if I can apply that, uh, in a closing role, I think that would be pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for anybody who's, had a similar journey to you and had enough dedication and self-awareness to know sales is what I want to do. I'm going to get here. I'm going to be appreciative of the opportunity. I'm going to take all of the opportunity and resources that I can to do the best possible job I can. I think really that mindset will serves you in whatever you decided to do, whether you're an SDR that wants to go into SDR management or you want to become an AE or you want to go into marketing. Um, and that's why I believe that successful SDRs, folks that are killing the, you know, their, their uh, responsibilities in this SDR role, that's almost, I hesitate to guarantee anything a hundred percent, but that's almost a stamp of somebody who's going to be able to be successful in anything they choose to do. Cause if you can yeah. figure this thing out, probably be, you know, pretty well versed in, in, uh, ways to succeed in anything else you try. So I love that man. And, and, um, from where I'm sitting, I mean, it seems like you can pretty much get in and, and, and tackle anything you want to do. Um, and look, you've already provided so many great tips for the audience, but I want to make sure that, um, for the folks that can't listen to the entire episode, uh, I include a little snack break sales tip for them. So then what is a sales tip that folks that are listening to the podcast right now can take and go back to their desk and use when they're done listening? Absolutely. Um, my biggest thing is personalization. If, if you're in a place where they're making you do act high activity at scale, have the conversation with your managers and, and, and bosses and, and have that laid out. Have a plan of what you want to do. Um, I encourage everyone to strongly use, you know, LinkedIn sales nav or even just LinkedIn. It, it works perfectly. Find people's Twitter, Google their name, do as much research as you possibly can and use that within your outreach. There's four things that I like to do when I want to send an amazing email. And that's one, finding some personal info that they have just like, oh, I like biking, something simple like that. So I find some personal info. I use old CRM data if they're engaged in a sales cycle. Uh, use company news, and then finally wrapping it up with our value prop. So if you can check three out of those four boxes on an email, you have an amazing email with a great subject line. You can easily get a, a meeting with anybody. Just put the time and energy into it. Do your research. Spend about 10 to 15, not even 15, spend 10 minutes on that, finding those four things, check them off, and you have an amazing email. I love it, man. Yeah, and, and that is a uh, repeatable process for folks because I feel like one of the issues when it comes to personalization is that, and one of the issues that some sales leaders might take up with it is that it's a time suck. Oh, well, how do I know how much time my reps are spending researching just one prospect? And I've heard that argument before, but 
when you look at things in frameworks like you do and can break it down to those four bullet points, you're able to be very efficient. And it's yeah. efficiency that goes towards um, increasing the likelihood that you're going to get a positive outcome. So sure. it's very worth it. I love that tip, man. Um, that's it, a really good one. It's, 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 a, it's a bit of BS when I hear that, that, you know, they shouldn't be spending enough time, too much time spending on research. I think that's a lot of BS because we're, we're fighting for the most important thing to somebody, which is their time, right? Mm -hmm. They're willing to, if we're trying to get, you know, 15, 30 minutes, 45 minutes of somebody's time, and you're trying to get that by sending a generic email, that's never going to work. So the, I literally hate when I hear that as well, because it, it makes no sense to me. If you have one email to send to somebody to get their time, I'm going to spend my time to write out an, a, a great email that's, that's tying back to their value prop. Um, and so to get his time, right? His or her yeah. time. I'm not trying to waste mine or his, his or her. Um, at the end of the day, we're battling for time. So you, it's important for us to put in the time to match that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look, I think when, <laughs> when, leadership starts talking like that to me it's a problem way further up the chain of command because if you are afraid that they're spending too much time on the wrong person then that means that you haven't delivered them a good enough list and you need to start thinking about okay if we want our sdrs to spend time finding out if it's the right person that's a different activity altogether that's, that's right. not that's not prospecting right and so yeah. you're gonna say your job is to set meetings, then to me, what they've done at demand base with you is exactly what you need to do. Hey, here are the different channels. Here are all of the different ways that you can set a meeting. Go try all of them. See what works best for you and what comes most natural and what is, is naturally what you're inclined uh, to be good at and then lean into that and you'll see the results and we're going to give you the runway to do that without you feeling like, Oh God, at the end of every 30 days, I'm going to be pulled into some room because my call numbers were down two or something ridiculous like that. So yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a great message for, for reps and leaders alike, which is uh, always why I love having frontline salespeople come on the show because yeah. you're able to tell like, this is what's working and this is why it's working and it's actively working today. <laughs> And then, right, don't get me wrong, too. If, and also, if a rep's not hitting their number, obviously, the first thing someone's going to look at is the activity. That's obvious. But if you are hitting your number, to your point, it's yeah. awesome that they let you run with that. Yeah, know? yeah. Now, you know, sales is a performance-based gig, right? And, right. and yeah. um, I've been watching a bunch of, you know, the preseason and the NFL is starting and, and all the players are in training camp and everybody's talking about contracts and things like that. And the more I hear uh, about stuff like that. I think about salespeople. Um, look, it's these professional athletes get paid tons of money to, to play this game, but, and they're allowed to do it their way. But the moment that they're not producing, they're gone. Sure. And it, and it wouldn't matter who it was yep. if tomorrow. Tom Brady forgot how to throw a football and couldn't throw a football anymore. It wouldn't matter that he's been good for the last 20 years right you do it the next day so you're no longer going to be in the game and that's how it is for sales folks right you that's right you, uh sure figure out the way to work and and figure out how it works for you and 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 do that but make sure you do it and, and yeah. make sure that that the, the, those results are there so <laughs> yeah that's a really good point then yeah. um 
And so as we're wrapping up here, I need to make sure that I ask you the same question that I ask everybody that comes on the Lunch Break podcast. And that is, where is your favorite place to eat lunch? <laughs> so I am actually, I'm a brown bagger, right? I bring lunch. Nice. I bring lunch a lot. So, but if I had to pick one place, um, I do like dig in in, this, in New York City. I know that's probably a very basic choice. But it's great. <laughs> I got, everything's fresh. It's pretty healthy. Price is decent for New York City, but it's great. So I do like dig in. I love it. I love it. And hey, you know, just for the record, the brown bag, that's an option for an answer. Because to me, okay. uh, you know, that says I'm not really trying to go anywhere to mess with uh, standing in line to get something to eat. Yeah, man. I, I, I make all my, my, uh, my lunch on Sunday and just grab it and go. Healthy, affordable. It. It's good. I so- love it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like... Uh, the the world of SDR has made its way into organizing different parts of your life, right? I mean, yeah, you, start, you start in this role and you start figuring out how important organization is and then it starts to bleed into yeah. <laughs> things like meal prep and stuff like that. That's exactly right. How, how efficiently can I spend my time? <laughs> yeah, man, that's what it's all about. Look, uh, Vin, th- this has been an absolutely wonderful episode and really appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your success uh, everywhere you've been, and really excited about watching you uh, have continued success, man. So thanks again. Thank you so much. I appreciate, especially you, your content's amazing online. So keep at it, keep putting it out there. And uh, you're inspiring people like me who see your content to start putting out my own content. Yeah. Um, So I'm new to the game. So I'm trying to follow in, you know, your footsteps and and others. So I really appreciate you having me on here and uh, I'm excited to listen to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and um, so if, if folks want to continue to learn from you, uh, consume your content, how can they reach out to you and, and uh, get connected with you? Yeah. I mean, you can add me on LinkedIn, Vincent Matano. Uh, Please add a note because it it makes it a lot easier. So add a note, say what's up, say, listen to the episode. Um, You can find me on Twitter as well. Vincent Matano. Um, and yeah, feel free to connect and reach out. I'm always open to talking with people, if it's coffee, Zoom, or, or anything. I love it, man. Awesome stuff. Well, with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon. All right, James. Thanks.